Hello and welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge brought to you by our good friends at Ditchwich. Bass Edge is currently seen on the World Fishing Network seven days a week, Wild TV in Canada, and starting in January, we'll be on the Outdoor Channel. I'm Steve Brigman, along with host of Bass Edge Television, Aaron Martin. We have an exciting episode today as Women's Bass Angler Tour Angler Pam Martin-Wells and her husband join us to discuss their life on the road, and then we'll have a special live edition of The Inside Edge. You ready to kick this off, Aaron? Man, I am. Let's do it. It's all here, right here on The Edge. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that something gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hey, twice in a row for me. That's a little unusual. I feel I feel honored. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, we're actually uh, both together at the same time. We're not doing it over a phone. No, you know, Dan is, uh, again, I'm sure he's out and about in the woods. Uh, have not talked with him, though, so, you know, he's kind of probably still sitting in a tree stand, I guess. Well, yeah, there's no phone in his tree. I think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Dan's out hunting, and uh, and we're, we've are we been doing a little hunting of our own, but uh, our critters have scales and not fur. You know, I was just uh, glad to kind of eke out a little bit more summer on, on that warmer weather that we found uh, down in Florida. You know, it was pretty nice being able to, to experience some 83, 84-degree temperatures when we called back and, you know, everybody else was in the 30s. Oh, man, I tell you what, when I was packing, I, like, threw my shorts and at the last minute is an afterthought you know i guess i you know I, they do have that information on the internet but uh but no i mean we all picked up a little color down there in the sun and then uh eased up to alabama and it just feeling a little bit like winter again yeah well you know i'm just glad we did it in that order versus the other way because at least this way uh you know we were able to get acclimated to some of this uh, colder temperatures that we're experiencing now but you know one of the highlights i think uh when i look back at our time that we got to spend there on the st john's with uh, pam and then Pam Martin-Wells, that is, and then also uh, with Boyd Duckett on Lake Martin was, you know, kind of the the difference when you look at Florida strain bass versus spotted bass. Well, yeah, you know, there was a lot of contrast in our last two trips, and that was one of them. And, of course, uh, down in Florida, the Florida strain bass, we hit some very warm weather, and fishing was very good, and and we were really fortunate because the most southern fish down there, they don't like the cold weather, and a cold front can really shut them down. But as we moved north, our spotted bass, they they seem to kind of turn on when those cold fronts come. I know here in the Ozarks there, especially down there where you live, these uh, spotted bass are some of our best fishings in the I was just had that conversation with somebody the other day, you know, when it was talking about spotted bass and, and also smallmouth. It's kind of like the, the nastier the day, you know, when it's sleeting and kind of just, you know, not one of those days to be out on a bass boat, rather sitting around a fire or something. Um, man, the, those fish can turn on in a heartbeat. Yeah, they, they can, and uh, they're just a, they're just a great all round uh, all season fish. But uh, you know, back to those Florida fish. Besides a fish that's uh, a little temperamental around the weather, you know, we fish at the St. Johns River, which is just a wonderful fishery, and the fish, the, the size of the fish that come out of there are just incredible. But another, you know, challenge to fish in that water. 
water is uh, is fishing in the tides. And I know you you really like tidal fishing, boy. You know, and I've, I'm actually I'm I'm coming to like it a lot more. I mean, that is uh, the St. John's. I think is like the the fifth different tidal body of of water that we've been able to fish. And one of the reasons I think that I like tidal water fishing so much is because of what those fish do. Um, you know, when that tide changes, whether it be coming in. Or going out, it's it's almost like that they they flip a switch. I was going to say that the folks when they watch their show are going to see that it's just they just flip on and uh, of course uh, I keep a log over in the other boat of fishing. And there's a, a point there where we put six fish on tape in ten minutes, and it was uh, fast and furious action. You know, it seems to me that. Tidal fishing can be frustrating when you go somewhere and you're on the wrong tides, but if you live here in Florida and you understand the tides, you know when to get on the water and when not to get on the water. That just seems like an advantage to me. I, I think I'd like living. I think I'd like living around tidal water. Well, most definitely. And, you know, I, I keep saying the same thing. Just like when I was out in California and, and we fished uh, out on the Delta with uh, Jared Littner and, and Chris Ball, you know, that's another tidal system. And I keep, you know, going back to every time I fish a new tidal system, how much I like it and what we experienced down in florida was the exact same thing that you just described and we spent a lot of time you know i like to ask a lot of the anglers do they spend time running the tide meaning trying to keep up with it because as you know the st john's is what 300 miles or something long and you could literally run fast enough to where you still have that same amount of flow or same water level of where you were catching it maybe uh you know further down river so i find it that uh, when we were able to spend that time there with pam you know, we were able to set through both the high tide and the low tide on specific spots just to test that theory to see if it made a difference. Yeah, Florida was great. Alabama was great. And, uh, I, you know, those last two trips, one of the great things was that uh, your your lovely bride, Diana, and, and your little girl, Maya, the world's cutest kid, by the way, uh, <laughs> uh, came along and, and really just made the trip really neat. And I know you guys had a really special family moment. Boy, we did. And, you know, I was able to break away of the evening. And um, unbeknownst to us, you know, I think I heard you guys over talking in the boat that day that the, about the space shuttle launching. And, of course, we were only 40 miles away from the coast, which I know that didn't bother you because of your, uh, you know, affinity for uh, seafood. But uh, we were actually able to take in the space shuttle launch. And I've, I've got to say, you know, being able to share that with uh, both Diana and Maya and just also personal, um, man, what an experience. Wow. Well, I know y'all were so excited and we were excited for you. We were off eating stuff flounder. <laughs> I tell you what, man, we got a lot going on today, so we better get to it. Let's see you on the flip side of this grocery. Let's do it. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we are back on The Edge, and joining us this week, again, kind of uh, one of those two for the price of one, we actually have WBT competitor 
and uh, former points champion of the WBT, and that is Pam Martin-Wells and her husband, Stephen Wells. Guys, thanks so much again for being part of The Edge. Thank you, Aaron. We appreciate being here. Thank you, Aaron. I've known you guys for quite some time. Obviously, uh, you were both involved with us uh, back in Season 2. But one of the things that I find that is so unique, and, and I really wanted our listeners to kind of be able to kind of hear this experience, is the way that the two of you work together, whether it be on a tournament situation, you know, preparing for that, but also just just uh, kind of taking your fishing to a new level. And, and I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, maybe just describe kind of your relationship and, and what goes into that, uh, being a touring pro, obviously, on the WBT and, and kind of how that plays into uh, your success. Well, you know, Aaron, uh, Stephen and I have only been married six years, and I've been fishing for 22 years professionally. So I can really attest to the fact that, you know, having, having Stephen with me traveling to these tournaments Number one, it helps when we're practicing and we've got two different baits in the water. You know, we're able to cover more water that way. Um, but also, he takes a lot He takes a lot off of me. And fishing tournament situations is very stressful. When I come in at the end of the day, I don't have to worry about taking care of the boat. He's going to cover the boat. He's going to make sure the batteries are charged, all, that, all of that kind of stuff. So all I've got to do is take care of my tackle and, and focus on the day at hand. For the next day that way you know like i said he just takes a, a load off of me you know i can see where that would be tremendous i mean dr j mcnamara through the in the zone and through kind of his book on the psychology of exceptional fishing talks about you know how much kind of the mental side of things play into fishing i mean obviously that that plays out with with your day by having that removed more or less from your plate yeah it really does because you know on a practice day that he can't be in the boat with me when i come in when we load the boat on the trailer that's all i have to think about is getting my tackle together and getting my game plan together for the next day he takes care of everything. A lot of times we have a grill. He even cooks supper while I'm laying in the bed looking at my map. So, you know, he really takes a big load off of me. I can't thank him enough because that is, it's like a comfort zone. I know that he's always there and that he's going to take care of certain things that, that I don't have to worry myself with. Well, and, and Stephen, now to you, because, you know, obviously I've known you for uh, the, the same amount of time that I've, that I've known, you know, Pam, but I know you well enough to know that you like to fish. How in the world do you do what you do? Well, Aaron, at first it was a little tough, to be honest with you, to sit on the bank and knowing Pam's out there without me catching fish. But I look at it the way Pam does, and, and I know that people don't realize at the end of the day, when you practice from daylight to dark, and no matter what the weather conditions are, when she comes in, I can give her that break. People don't realize how much effort it takes after a long day fishing just to tie your boat up, go up in the park, parking lot, back your truck down, back the trailer in the water, get out, load the boat, get out again, pull the boat out. It just, you're tired. You don't feel like doing all that. And I can be there for and do some of those things. But it's still, sometimes you think about it, you just wish you could go catch a fish too. Sure. Sure. Well, and and my next question goes into, and Stephen, I think you can shed a lot of light on this. It has to have taken kind of your relationship, even being married, to you know, kind of a different level because of the simple fact that you're able to travel and more or less be on the road at the same time with her. That's true. Um, I'd hate to know I was at home and my wife was on the road by herself. You know, things are kind of crazy in this world now, and, and I'd be worried to death, you know, what she was going through. You know, even a flat tire on the highway, you never know what could happen. 
I'm just glad that I can be there with her and, and take care of her. So let, let's roll over now into how you approach um, really the fishing day, whether it be a practice period you know, for an upcoming tournament that Pam is competing in. But what is your role from the angling perspective? Because I know you, know, you go out also uh, in advance to help her prepare from a fishing perspective as well. Well, I do. And, you know, one thing for sure, Pam always runs the boat. She's, she's the, the tournament pro here, so it wouldn't do me any good or her any good for me to be up there running the trolling motor. Pam will run the trolling motor and she kind of touched on it. We'll be fishing during the day and one or the other of us will get on a certain bite and that person will stick to that bite and the other person will go through everything else in the boat to see if they can catch a fish some other way or on some other bait you know, something like that. And it, and it kind of helps out to know what they'll bite and what they won't bite. So, Pam, how does that, um, you know, because I think there's a tremendous lesson for anglers out there. Maybe it's not a husband and wife situation. Maybe it's two friends. Maybe it's a, you know, grandpa and a grandson or granddaughter or something like that. But bottom line is by having two people in the boat, not only can it help you understand the fish, but you can also have a lot of fun and, and really have a great relationship. You know, really you can. A, a lot of people don't realize that fishing, even pleasure fishing, is extremely physical, mental, and, and that kind of thing. And if you got two people to, to divide that amongst, then, you know, it's a lot easier than, than one person going out and trying to do everything and figure out all the fish. You know, two heads work better than one, and and... And two people dividing the the tasks that have to be taken care of, it's just it takes a load off of you. So, what advice? And and maybe it's it's from a recre to a recreational anglers, um, you know, who are out here just trying to figure out a lake. Perhaps it's uh, you know for two individuals that's maybe fishing some team tournaments, or maybe even it's a co angler that travels with kind of a, a, a pro like yourself. What advice can you give to that person who is trying to develop? Um, their skills, but also work in conjunction with the person that they're fishing with. Go out and fish your own game. I mean, just because the person in the front of the boat is throwing a crankbait doesn't mean you have to throw a crankbait. You know, throw something else, throw whatever whatever's in your confidence. But also, then that way you you get to learn what it takes to run a boat, to maintain a boat, to operate a boat. I mean, all of those things, you know, play into it. I mean, it's it. you have as much work off the water as you do on the water. So, you know, just if you go fishing with your buddy, make Make sure you you help him load the boat. Make sure the batteries are charged. Cover the boat. All of those kind of things. And then that way it just, you know, you learn what all it takes. It's not just going out there and and plopping down in a chair and throwing a throwing a line in the water. You know, Stephen, Pam had alluded to a little bit earlier concerning the mental aspects of, of what goes in by what you take off of her. One of the things that I would like to hear your thoughts on um, you know, I've sat on here many, many times on the edge as far as, you know, when you're fishing and you find a fishing partner, it's almost like being married because if you're not getting along, you know, not, you can't take the two best fishermen and throw them in the same boat together. It just doesn't work like that. You've really taken that to another level from the standpoint that you guys are married. So it obviously <laughs> it has to work. Um, talk a little, talk us through maybe some of those times to where, um, you know, you have some challenges and how you resolve those. Sometimes Pam and I do have some differences in the boat. Uh, she fishes a little different than I do. I could sit there and throw it the same blade of grass for an hour thinking I could make him bite. Well, she doesn't have that mental picture there because she's a tournament fisherman. She does not have time 
to sit in one spot and make a fish bite. She's got to go after the more aggressive fish. So sometimes we have a little conflict. I'll be in the back of the boat wanting to throw a worm and, and let it soak for a while, and she'll be on the front of the boat uh, throwing a crankbait. And and we just look at each other, and sometimes she'll give, and sometimes I'll give, and my worm will be flapping on top of the water rather than on the bottom where he belongs. But uh, we work through it, and, and really it works out well overall. Even, even when we're having fun, I'm sorry, but even when we're just play fishing, we'll still do the same thing, and and, it, and it's fun. So those pleasure fishermen out there that you're alluding to, they, they can have fun if they'll, if they'll look at it that way and, and just, just be willing to, to give a little bit. So is, is that a, let's say, for instance, maybe uh, somebody's, Pam in this case, is, you know, is fishing fast, and you're wanting to fish slow, and, and that's kind of where the, the two paths cross. Is that a verbal comment that you make of, hey, you know, we need to figure out what's going on here? Or what advice can you give as, as far as how to work through that? Do you, do you need to call that to the attention of the other person right off the bat? Well, if it's a friend, I would. If it's uh, in our case, I talk. <laughs> <laughs> That sort of didn't come out right. Pam, Pam, Pam is a friend of mine, believe me, but... Uh, what? If it's a if it's just a friendly fishing trip, let me put it that way. I would I would talk to whoever's in the front of the boat. In Pam's case, I told Pam when we got married, like she said, we've only been married six years, and she was winning tournaments a long time before she married me. I told her I'd never get in her way of her fishing. I'd do anything I could to help and nothing to hurt. So a lot of times I'll sit back there and keep my mouth shut, but. Let's say that that pattern of hers on the trolling motor on high doesn't work for a full day. I might have to throw in, you know, we might want to slow down here just a little bit. Well, and I would see where that would be a huge benefit because because since you are not competing more or less, and obviously you have her best interest at heart, maybe you're not emotionally tied to the situation to where you it could almost be kind of like, hey, you know what? You're right. Yeah, that's correct, Aaron. Um, I'm not tied to tournament fishing. I, honestly, I, I'd, I'd rather not fish a tournament because it takes the fun out of it to me. And and I do look at it differently in her than her. And if she's and if she's struggling a little bit, you know, I'll talk to her about it and say we might need to slow down. I think a fish will bite a bait going slow quicker than he will one going fast. And uh, And sometimes she may not see it that way. Yeah. And, you know, shifting gears, Pam, I mean, obviously you have had numerous, numerous anglers in your boat um, during tournaments and, and guiding and the different things that you can do. But let's let's look at it from the standpoint, maybe an angler is wanting to, to get into the tournament scene, and so they've entered as a, a co-angler or an amateur situation. Walk us through what advice that you could put them basically on the fast track of things to look for uh, when they enter that that tournament and when they're getting in the back of another pro's boat? Well, if somebody, you know, is, is entering as a co-angler, of course you don't always have, have the rights to, to dictate what you're going to do. So, you know, a lot of times you have to adjust to what the pro's doing. And and there again, you know, we've, we've talked about this in previous interviews, not to be single-minded. If your pro's throwing a crankbait and you just absolutely can't throw a worm, you know, Pay attention to what they're doing. You you might actually learn something. So you know, try to try to pick up a, a crankbait and and adjust to what they're doing. Um, but like Stephen said, it, it's more about going out and having fun. Now I've been I've been fishing professionally for 20, 21, 22 years now. I'm not going to say it's not fun because it is, or I wouldn't still do it. 
but I have a different mindset when I get out there. I'm totally focused. I mean, he'll tell you a lot of times I don't even know he exists in the back of the boat. And that's that may be my downfall because a lot of times we, we can't go fun fishing. Every time I get in a boat, my brain shifts into tournament mode. But the biggest thing is just relax and have fun and, and you know, just just try to enjoy the day. Well, Aaron, too, let me touch on that because I, I fish co-angler side of the Southern Opens. And... Um, and being accustomed to running the boat and then having to sit in the back of the boat, you know, I say running the boat because we guide on Lake Seminole. I, you know, I take people out fishing and, and, and try to put them on fish. But if you're a co-angler and you're going into a tournament situation, you definitely have to have the mindset of, um, of not doing anything to hurt that pro. They honestly, and I'm not saying this because of Pam, they have paid their money to run that trolling motor. They have paid a lot of money. They bought a boat. They spent a lot of time on the water. And you you go into there, into that tournament with the mindset of not hurting them. Do anything you can to help them. But you can also learn. I've been fishing. I'm 47 years old, 46 years old, however old I am. <laughs> uh, um, I've been fishing all of my life. And I still learn things. I learn things from Pam. I have learned things from you. I learn things from the pros I have been in the boat with at the Southern Opens. So just go into it with that mindset that you can always learn something. Well, I, I don't think you either one of you could have said it any better than, than what you've discussed. And because that really describes to me the, the pinnacle of fishing is when you can always put yourself in a position to learn. And I don't care if it's learning what's the wrong thing to do. Bottom line, you're still learning something. You're you're right, Aaron. And like I said, I've been I've been fishing professionally for 21, 22 years. And even though a lot of times I have co-anglers in the back of my boat, I have actually learned from my co-anglers. Anytime you go fishing, you've got to have a, an open mind because you can learn the simplest thing. You know that'll that'll make a huge difference. And and like I say, I've learned from I've learned from a lot of my co-anglers. So each fishing experience. You learn something new. Well, and you know, I, I, I there again, I, I think that that mindset um, is—it's no question why the two of you are kind of in the position that you are, and again, why you continue to attract the things, uh, not only fishing but also just in your life in general that you do. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time. I could literally sit here for an, another fifteen or twenty <laughs> minutes and have this conversation, but uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Thank you both so much uh, for being part of the Edge, and we look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron, for having us. Man, it was great to hear from Pam and Stephen. Well, you know, and and Steve, obviously, you've you've spent uh, just as much time with them as what I have. But how about the relationship and and just kind of how those two not only function as a couple, but also how that really transfers over into their to Pam's fishing. Well, it, it helps her with her success. It takes a lot of uh, pressure off her. You know, Stephen does a, a lot of the work, a lot of the boat mates. Heck, when they were out in the field with us, he fixed my, my trolling motor. So uh, it's got to... It's got to be a very helpful to have him out there, and he's just a great guy too. Well, and and one of the things that I brought up during the interview was, you know, we talk and spend some time as far as finding fishing partners, um, not necessarily even from a competitive standpoint, but just you know being able to go out, have success, but also have fun because that is 
as much about, you know, getting along and having good chemistry. And, you know, jokingly during the interview, I said, you know, oftentimes we refer to it as a marriage. But in their case, they are married and it works out tremendous for them. Well, it well, it does. And uh, and I think uh, we can all learn a, a good lesson about uh, traveling on the road and, and, and what it takes off the water to be successful in that business. I tell you what, Aaron, we got to we got to move along here, my friend. Uh, let's let's take a quick break and we'll and on the other side, we will sit down and spend a little time together. Oh, uh, we got a little new twist today. Yeah, yeah. Let's do something a little new. Sit down and talk talk about some some various things, and uh, we'll just see what pops up. All right. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B and W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are back on the edge, and uh, this week Steve and I decided to change it up a little bit, and we want to do a live version of the Inside Edge. And you know, Steve, when we discussed this, one of the reasons why I thought it was really just uh, you know a huge asset to to take this opportunity while we were together is because of your experience and as a you know an outdoorsman, and obviously that started very early on uh, by growing up on the coast, having that saltwater experience. Uh, then that transferring over into uh, a lot of the freshwater species, and I'm, I'm not going to dive into that. I'm going to let you explain that a little bit. But then also, even as a hunter and a an outdoor journalist, I mean, you have a tremendous amount of experience and a lot to offer. I think our listeners on uh, concerning how that has helped you, um, you know, just be more successful in not only your career but also as an outdoorsman. I think you just call me old. <laughs> No, 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 I did not. There's no witnesses there. So. No, you're right. No, you're right. I mean, and, and uh, you know, uh, in, in the book I have coming out real soon, the first line is, I was one of the lucky ones, and that's so true. Uh, you know, my father introduced me to uh, hunting and fishing at a very young age. I was telling a niece the other day about uh, about my early days in fishing, and my dad corrected me and goes, "Well, that wasn't your first fishing trip. You you actually went. We fished on a crappie barge, and they'd stuck a crappie on my line when I went to the bathroom, you know, or something like that. It's like, how can a guy forget his first crappie? But but no, I grew up. Uh, you know, the family went to Colorado. Uh, you know, every year, and and I went out and bugged some guy on the poor guy on the stream, and got him to show me what flies fishing with, and then went over to the tackle store and got the guys over there to rig up a my little Zebco so I could throw this fly, this gray hackle peacock, and Dad's jaw dropped when I brought a bunch of trout home. But yeah, I started early, and I've done a lot of things, and I've really been blessed. Well, and and you bring up a good point there, and and that is fly fishing. Obviously, as anglers, you know, we like to experience anything really on the end of our line. I know when I'm out bass fishing and catch maybe a drum or, you know, an alternate species other than a bass, 
uh, it still gets my heart excited. But, you know, one of the things that I would like for you to spend some time on is how, you know, that fly fishing and understanding really the flies and the bait and the hatch and all those different things, how does that make you a better all-around angler? Well, you know, I think, let me just go back and start by saying that uh, I think in a way I would be, I would be the worst tournament angler in the world because to me, uh, I love to catch fish on the lightest line possible, the lightest rod possible, just for the experience. It's just a personal thing. And because of that, I've always loved fishing uh, with a fly rod. And I think fishing with a fly rod it puts you really – fly fishing is a, is a, is a really get-in-tune-with-your-fish-and-your-fishery with your kind of experience. Uh, you know, we hear the term match the hatch all the time. And in bass fishing – Often we're talking about, you know, uh, using a swim bait or a crank bait that looks like a shad when, when the fish are actually feeding on shad. We're matching the bait, the forage that the fish are feeding on. And, uh, of course, that's an old fly rod term that comes from trying to match the bugs that are hatching on the river. So uh, so I think one thing, it creates this sort of mindset of, of matching the forage and the, and the fish and the food that the fish are eating exactly sometimes on the river trout will only i mean it's incredible the difference in the fly that that they'll just gobble down every time and the one that they'll just absolutely not touch so i mean that what we almost use in tongue-in-cheek to describe kind of matching maybe a spinnerbait or the size of a spinnerbait with the bait fish that they're feeding on um, that stems right from maybe trying to match the particular fly with the flies that's around the stream. Absolutely, absolutely. See, when we, you know, bass fishing, we with bass give us this whole bonus in that they're just pretty mean critters, and sometimes they'll just hit things they don't like and it disturbs them, and they get, you know, vibration. It's like a spinnerbait. I mean, look at a spinnerbait. I mean, I've. I've heard folks say, well, you know, I like to use willow blades because it looks like a sh- like a shape like a shed. Hey, I'm sorry, but that thing, that spinnerbait don't look like nothing, no nothing to eat to me. What it does is it throws out a lot of vibration, a lot of noise, and a lot of disturbance, and it and it and it triggers a, a feeding inst or it triggers a, an aggressive instinct on a bass. I, I, not not necessarily even a feeding instinct, but maybe even a territorial thing. But uh, but when you're fly fishing, that's just you know it's just not the case with with your traditional fish, your uh, trout, and that sort of thing. Well, would you agree? And you know, I, I don't want to get us in trouble one way or the other, but I would like your personal opinion on this. I am not a fly fisherman; I'll be the first to admit. But you know, I've heard that getting a trout to respond and and how you have to go about it on a true wild trout can be a little bit difficult, and possibly even a little more difficult than say a freshwater bass. Well, yeah, because presentation is the other part of that. I mean, fish are said fish are hitting a, a fly that's uh, hatching and and coming to the surface, and you may be they may be hitting nymphs as they as they come to the surface, floating to the top to become adults and fly off the water. So you got to have a pretty a perfect presentation that imitates that nymph swimming to the top after it's uh, released from the bottom in a current with a fly line that can be very very difficult and and it's really it's really not any different than bass fishing or red fishing or marlin fishing or brim fishing you know presentation is just you know matching the hatch but presentation making that bait you know and in the case of bass making that bait uh appear and move like natural forage or move in a way 
to trigger that aggressive instinct of a bat. Well, and, and I couldn't agree more. And certainly we've heard it here on the edge many times with, uh, you know, such as from Bob Lusk. I mean, he says the majority of the time that we are fishing or uh, out there, you know, on the water, we are trying to create a reactive strike because just the sheer odds of hitting during that exact time that, that fish are feeding, um, chances are we are trying to create a reaction strike. Sounds no different uh, than with trout fishing and fly fishing. One last question, and we've got to get out of here, is does fly fishing make you a better bass angler? Oh, it absolutely does. For one thing, I think different disciplines of fishing of any kind make you a better bass fisherman. If you go catch redfish on the on the coast or snook or uh, you go catch muskies, it's incredible the similarity. And it's the same thing with, with fly fishing. You'll I can't tell you how many things that, that I've known about fly fishing that I've said, well, how is that any different than bass fishing? And so you bring things uh, across like that. You know, like the match the hatch, you know, I when I see you guys fish a lot of times, I'm like, I'm, I'm always trying to like, well, those are, you know, in Florida, those are mullet. They're eating mullet. What do what, what you got in your box that looks like a mullet? And, uh, and it turns out you had... A, uh, you went to a swim bait that kind of looked like a mullet. And I think also fly fishing adds this sort of uh, delicate finesse to your fishing. You know, sometimes you can, sometimes you just need to slow down and, uh, and, and, and take it easy instead of just pounding the bait. Well, great advice, Steve. Uh, again, uh, you know, heard it many times. Dave Wolak, uh, there's numerous anglers that uh, are obviously at the professional level. In your case, um, you know, you're a multi-species angler that has numerous, uh, you know, I would consider them personal trophies uh, to his name. And um, obviously, I think that's just proving ground for what and how, by applying those same techniques and by being very proficient, how it can ultimately make you a better bass angler. Thanks so much. We need to move on, and uh, we'll uh, take this quick break, and then we'll be right back. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. Well, we're back on the edge, and Aaron, I understand we have a prize winner. Hey, we do have a prize winner, and this one goes all the way out to Cortez, Colorado, and that is uh, Gary. Uh, But Gary will receive a full lineup of the Mother's Polishes, Waxes, and Cleaners uh, for his truck, boat, RV, motorcycle, snowmobile, uh, whatever fun that he takes in out there. Um, but Gary, we appreciate uh, you you being tuned in and plugged into the Bass Edge program. And uh, there again, you get uh, a whole lineup of Mother's products. So congratulations. Well, congratulations, Gary. And I've been to Cortez. I'm sort of wondering what water you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little dry in that yeah. part of the country. Yeah. That, is some be- that is beautiful out there. Exactly. So, uh, and we have a question we, this week, Aaron. We do have a question. It looks like, and I'm probably going to butcher you know where this is from but this is from william and it's either milan or milan michigan so uh william thanks so much uh, for sending in the question but essentially this is on uh, the topic of spinnerbaits and he states that he fishes mainly natural clear 
and uh, lakes that have vegetation there in the north. And he is wanting to know when is the right time to use an inline spinner. For instance, uh, the example that he gives is a MEPS Agila mm-hmm. or a Gilia, however you say that, over a safety pin type or a traditional type spinner bait. And specifically uh, talking about conditions and the cover. Thank you in advance for any info that you can give. And I know we've we've gotten him multiple replies. But, you know, Steve, this is something that you're very familiar with. And would like for you to throw your two cents, because I know you're a big musky angler, northern, okay. and uh, you also love to catch bass. Yeah, the old MEPS, uh, MEPS French spinners I'm, I'm very familiar with. We used to use the old uh, uh, number zeros to catch grayling in, in Alaska. I think generally for William, uh, you're fishing in weedy conditions, and I'd say you're mostly going to fish with the – safety pin type spinner baits because they're a more weedless bait and, and i think that's your principal difference in the two baits is is your inline spinners typically have uh, an exposed treble hook and your uh you know they're not going to be as weedless and, and you're and you're just not going to be able to fish them around some of the weedy cover that you say you fish around when you do have the opportunity to fish uh the the inline uh the the, the advantage to that i think is that uh it, it has a little more profile a little lower profile and a little more uh, profile like a bait fish so so in certain cases when you can fish it and you're not you know worried about cover and uh you know that the, that there may be times when that that lower profile and that that bait fish imitation uh, you know triggers triggers a little more strikes for you but i'd i'd keep both of them in the box well and you know to to add to that just quickly here one of the things i would tell william steve that i can remember you know that was almost a universal bait i mean i've caught uh brim i've caught trout i've caught bass catfish i mean those inline spinners really bring back some memories and, and are pretty <laughs> effective as far as catching and and attracting numerous species. Yeah, my first my first uh, really favorite bass lure when I was a little tyke was the old shyster. I used to be old, using old yellow shyster, and I was fishing Sam Rayburn. So there's yellow shysters stuck in trees, <laughs> stuck in trees, <laughs> rusting all over yeah. underwater in, in in Sam Rayburn down in Texas. Yeah. So you know, and speaking of getting stuck, I mean, man, what a great great time today. Uh, but man, we're running out man, of time. There's never enough time. Time flies when you're having fun but i'll tell you what man until next week aaron it's great to be with you my friend likewise and uh we'll do it again on the other side in the meantime uh be sure and check out the the website bassedge.com and i know steve uh, you've got a newsletter that's coming out we've got a newsletter that's coming out it's a a lot of fun Uh, we talk about uh, we have a lot of good time we talk about alabama we talk about the fall and uh, i think you'll enjoy some of the things we have to say so 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 tune into that but uh, uh, we've got to go but we will see all of you next week on The Edge Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make The Edge audio program possible Ditch Witch Mother's Waxes and Polishes V&W Trailer Hitches Megaware Keel Guard Cooks Tackle Management Systems Ardent Rule the Water Legend Boats O'Reilly Auto Parts Superstar Batteries and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia For more information on Bass Edge including our television show, training materials e-newsletter and podcast please visit www.bassedge.com Be sure to join us next week on The Edge